Well, here we go. The Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm smiling because I'm probably a bit overwhelmed. I'm not, I don't have anything scripted today. I know I have a lot on my mind. So in those situations, put on your seatbelt, hang tight, because this episode could go in a myriad of directions. But I felt inspired to talk today for a variety of reasons. I still haven't really posted a podcast about the Academy Awards. There's a couple things that came up, but I felt like I had to post a podcast today because I officially mailed my book out to six, seven friends, artists, writers that I trust to give me their honest feedback about this draft of my book. It's been a two-year process writing this manuscript that I'm hoping to have published sometime this year. And it was an interesting day. First of all, I think we live in a world now where we are out of touch with the creative process. There was a show called The Actor's Studio by, I think, James Lipton. It was on Bravo, I believe. I'm not an actor, but I loved that show because any show that can dive into the creative process, I always loved. And I don't think we really, as a society, as a culture now, have those shows anymore where we, where we really get a glimpse into what it takes to bring something to life. I mean, I remember reading an article years ago about Quentin Tarantino's, um, the film with Brad Pitt, not the latest one, Inglorious Bastards. He was talking about how that was a five-year process of writing the script, directing the film, editing it, getting it out there. It was such an arduous task to get my book to this place where I felt comfortable to send it to people. We're talking two years. I mean, a year ago, I gave my first draft to a bunch of people, well, maybe eight or nine, and they made me realize that it was it was a mess. I think that's part of what has propelled my podcast and my issues with social media and my issues with creativity these days. Most people or more people are interested in numbing out and dumbing their brain down to the ditties and the wasted time that is amassed by just staring at Netflix or Instagram all day. But if you're, if you're a creator or an artist and you're trying to create a movie or trying to write a book like I've been doing, it requires, I'm telling you, based on my experience, it requires such incredible discipline, talk about details, requiring your brain to somehow create this picture and make it all function and work and fit from point A to point B to point C and then have foreshadowing and have foresight to figure it all out in your head. It's by far the most challenging creative project that I've ever been involved in. And I I think of myself as somebody who's really challenged myself artistically for most of my life. I taught myself the drums I taught, my house, I taught myself how to play guitar, 
played the piano when I was the age of three, taught myself how to sing. I've been in the studio and recorded a few albums and songs, and I wrote a couple scripts in college. I've been a DJ for the last five, six years. There's definitely a creative side to teaching yoga. The podcast has a creative element for sure. But wow, this is just a thrilling moment for me. I I know the book is going to have some other you know adjustments and edits. It's certainly not perfect yet. I even found a spelling mistake the other day. Gosh, I, I just I want to publish this book so badly. I want to tell you what it's about. I think it's so funny. I I hope it happens. You know, I'm only apprehensive because we are living in a time now where writers are losing jobs left and right. Newspapers are going out of business. People aren't reading anymore. It's a very challenging time for a writer. Let's just put it that way. So the publishing industry is falling apart. (laughs) Agents are losing their jobs. I, I realize I could publish it myself, and I may do that. But to really get it out there, to get it in thousands and thousands and thousands of people's hands, it is going to require me getting an agent, getting a publisher, and go down that world. So it's just a huge milestone today for me. You know, a friend of mine reached out to me and said, you know, congratulations, author. And yeah, in one regard, I feel like an author, but until it's published, until it's actually physically in a book where you all can go to Amazon and buy it, I don't consider myself an author yet. So just it's, it was a big day, and I'm, I'm really excited, and I'm really proud. This show, my podcast, is about inspiring you to put your phone down, surround yourself with inspiring people. It's about filling yourself up with material pieces of work that inspire you to become more creative or to become an active participant. And if I can do it, you know, any of you can do it also. was so thrilled that Parasite won Best Picture. To me, that movie was symbolic in so many ways. I mean, just remembering, I saw it in the theater months before people were talking about it or saying that this thing is going to win. I don't remember being in a movie where I had no idea where I was going to go. I had no idea where Bong Joon-ho was going to take me. It was so unpredictable. It was, it's rare that a movie can make me literally and figuratively be on the edge of my seat and wonder, where the hell are we going to go next? When it won Best Picture, I was so thrilled. Because it's funny, my sister-in-law reached out to me. Her son, who's 18, he's, he's been a jock most of his life. And the idea that he would see a foreign film would just, I mean, that would never happen. And so she and I were speaking about the movie and he saw it and he thought it was really great. And 
to me, that is such a powerful awakening for my nephew, for people in this country to be acquainted with a movie that was made from a South Korean filmmaker who already has made some pretty amazing films. Mother, I saw Snowpiercer. So I think it was only a matter of time for him to really break through. But I just think this opens so many windows and doors. And that's what's so frustrating to me about the Academy Awards. And Issa Rae, I recorded a podcast about this, you know, a couple months ago. You know, instead of embracing the Academy for nominating Bong Joon-ho in all these categories and ultimately him winning, Issa Rae is focusing on, you know, no female directors were nominated this year. This, this, is, this is such a huge milestone for South Korea, for all foreign filmmakers, for our country. I think it's a beautiful testament. We can't just let this go without really recognizing the immense symbolism that has been struck with Bong Joon-ho's victory. It's, it's just, you know why I'm talking about it? Because today or yesterday, Donald Trump was at a rally, but he was talking negatively about Bong Joon-ho and the movie. And it really pissed me off. The ignorance of the words that he sang to describe Bong Joon-ho, it blows my mind that the President of the United States is saying such idiotic, ignorant things. And it's very symbolic to what people are doing every single day on social media. And I think to myself, if the president can get away with this and say these terrible things, then no wonder anybody thinks that they can just say whatever they want and do whatever they want on Instagram and Twitter. And I want to play for you 15 seconds of what Donald Trump said about the movie Parasite. It's, it's, it makes me irate to hear it, but I wanted to play it for you. Because again, I, you know, so many people look up to this guy and I think there's a lot of symbolism here. I mean, to me, Parasite is, it's opening up the door for people who never would think about seeing a movie made in South Korea, see one. It's opening up the door for my nephew to see a foreign film that he typically would never see, which is the case for most kids under the age of 20. And here's Donald Trump basically just condemning, condemning the movie. So here you go. I'm going to play this clip and then I'll be back. with South Korea with trade on top of it they give him the best movie of the year was it good I don't know you know I'm looking for like where where let's get gone with the wind can we get like gone with the wind back please sunset boulevard so many great movies the winner is from South Korea I thought it was best foreign film right best foreign movie no was the button did this ever happen before and then you have Brad Pitt. I was never a big fan of his. He got upset, little wise guys. Do you believe that he is the president of the United States? How stupid 
ignorant and idiotic were those words that he just said. I, I can't even fathom. <laughs> I can't even fathom it. And so I think, you know what it is? I think why I get so frustrated with our culture sometimes, and I, I'm going to tell another story and then share another piece and then I'll let you go. I find myself to be a logical human being. I'm creative, passionate, curious. Underneath all of these different parts of my personality, I'm very logical. And when something that I see as being so logical that I can see so clearly, I get frustrated when other people don't see it. Very similarly to my attitude about Instagram and cell phone use and technology. I'm flabbergasted when I have guests on or I speak to people who don't see it, who don't see the toxicity. Anywhere I go, I see people staring down at their phone, whether it's in the elevator, on the sidewalks. And if millions and millions of people are doing that everywhere they go, no wonder there's so much disconnection. No wonder people are not talking anymore to one another. To one another. And no wonder people are so isolated and lonely now. Because people would rather stare down at their phone than actually have face-to-face conversations. People are terrified to talk. And so I get so frustrated when people can't see that. Or they think, oh, it's always been this way. It has never been this bad. And I get so frustrated when, I mean, how could somebody think that Donald Trump is an admirable human being? And to think that he is, he is able to get away with saying something like that about Bong Joon-ho in South Korea, it, it blows my mind. In some weird sort of way, I think he thinks he's coming across as being hip because he's able to talk about an artistic movie, which he didn't even see, but he comes across as sounding like an ass. He sounds so incredibly ignorant. I think this is an important point because if he can get away with that, now wonder people feel like they can say and do whatever they want. Because he, being the leader of the free world, if he's the president and he can tweet all this vomit every single day, and he can say that in front of thousands of people, and there's no consequences, well, no wonder people think they can say and do whatever they want. I was last little part here regarding the Academy Awards, and then I'll move on, and then I'll let you go. I was really struck by Joaquin Phoenix's speech. You know, you know that I love the Joker. It was mind-blowing. I think it was probably my second, third favorite movie of the year. Now, we all know that Joaquin has a history of sort of being a little being a little goofy, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I am curious about a few points here. First of all, he goes up there and wins the award. 
And he talks about the, really the narcissism of Hollywood, the privileged behavior of actors and actresses in Hollywood. And, you know, you can, they can talk about change, but then there they'll, they'll take their private jets or their helicopters. And are they really promoting change? Not really. They're really living their life for themselves. And I appreciate that he's Joaquin was trying to bring a little bit more awareness to this. But I think to myself, how selfish can you be to go up there, win the award for best actor, and not even thank Todd Phillips, the filmmaker, or anybody else that was involved in the movie? He goes up there and selfishly uses his 90 seconds of camera time to talk about how other actors and actresses are being selfish and we need to stop being so narcissistic and change and then do more for our culture. And again, this goes back to a podcast I recorded a few months ago. No change is going to happen from an actor going up on stage during the Academy Awards and telling people what they should do. It's not going to happen. Change to get people off of their ass out of the house requires much more than Joaquin Phoenix going up there and calling out his fellow actors and actresses. But for me, the audacity that he goes up there and doesn't even thank anybody that he worked with, like if it weren't for Todd Phillips or his agent or the other actors or the director of photography, he wouldn't even be up there. Again, it goes back to this incredibly self-absorbed, narcissistic world that we live in where I just, I'm watching him up there and I'm just, my, my mind is blown that he's not even paying any recognition or making any sort of thankful comment towards anybody that worked on the movie. And this is the other point I want to make. I've gotten the sense that Joaquin Phoenix is a little mentally unstable. Every time I see him talking, he looks like his medication is off or he's taken too much medication or he's had too much to drink or he's on drugs. And I bring this up to a couple of my friends who are actors and they'll say something like, well, you know, he's an artist or, well, that's just sort of what you're getting yourself into with with Joaquin. But then I say to myself, like, are any of his friends calling any attention to this behavior? Is anybody calling up Joaquin and saying, hey, are you doing okay? Is anybody worried about him? Because if I was his friend, I would certainly reach out and check in on him. Because every time I see him on television at an award show, he doesn't look like he's doing all that well. He looks like he's had a little bit too much to drink or he's had a couple too many Xanaxes with his shot of tequila. I'm only bringing this up because I think it's really important if you know somebody that's behaving like that to say something. We live in a world now where people are scared and terrified to say anything because they might hurt somebody's feelings. But 
And then what frustrates me is that people will perpetuate that sort of behavior by saying something like, oh, that's, that's just how Joaquin is. Or that's just sort of what you're getting yourself into when you have Joaquin work on one of your movies. I don't know if that's really a healthy way of looking at the picture here that's going on. You know, when Brad Pitt goes up there, he looks like a, and he behaves like a pretty healthy adult. And when I see Joaquin Phoenix on stage, I just, I, I'm a bit alarmed. I'm a bit perplexed and wondering if maybe somebody should go up there and say something or not go up on stage, but, you know, call Joaquin, one of his friends and say, hey, dude, are are you doing okay? Because I'm a little worried about you. Last but not least, I want to talk about communication. I've been really struck, and this isn't this is also very challenging for me to talk about. I'm not trying to call I'm not trying to call anybody out. But my podcast has really brought up this idea of communication with me. And I remember talking about a post that Seth Godin posted on Twitter a few months ago about needing to know the appropriate way to communicate with somebody. You know, do you send a text? Do you send an email? Do you pick up the phone and call somebody? I can't begin to tell you how many times I have been perturbed or challenged by the way people communicate with me about potentially being on my show. I'd say about 70% of the time, I'll send a text or an email, and I'll get a response within a day, which may be two days. Or I'll pick up the phone and call somebody, and they'll call me back. But then, you know, I reached out to a yoga teacher six weeks ago that I know personally, and I've met a few times, and I sent him a message on Instagram. I don't have his phone number. Crickets. Didn't, didn't even respond. Said nothing. And then I see him at his yoga class a few weeks later. And I was sort of curious if he's going to say anything about it. Like, I'm thinking, gosh, does he... And this is how I personalize things sometimes. You know, I was feeling a little insecure. Like, oh, maybe he doesn't like me. Or maybe he just doesn't want to come on the show. Because as far as I knew, I thought he and I got along. And then I see him at class and he comes up to me after he says, dude, you know, so sorry. I, I got your Instagram message. I'm just really nervous to come on the show and it's not really my thing, but you know, I, I want to do it. Um, so just let's, let's set it up and and we'll make it happen. And I'm, you know, you, if you don't know me, I'm pretty chill with this kind of stuff. I said something like, dude, whatever it's, I'd love to talk to you. I'm I'm obviously going to delete anything that you are worried that maybe you said something wrong. I'm happy to to delete it. And he said something, dude, don't worry about it. I know you're cool. I'm sure it'll be great. So I message him like three days later, and he doesn't respond. Nothing. No, no, no contact whatsoever. Another guy that I know, another yoga teacher, it's interesting. It's like this yoga teacher phenomenon where you think yoga teachers are actually really good communicators, I'm coming to find out that they actually aren't. 
Another yoga teacher I reached out to like four or five months ago, I sent him a message via Instagram and, you know, he was really quick. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. And then I, I, you know, I sent him another message like a week or two later. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. You know, I'm just, I'm busy, but let's, let's do this. And then I sent him another message and, and nothing. And then I sent an email, no response. And then finally, like a month later, I sent an email and I said something like, dude, don't worry about it. No big deal here. Just thought I'd check in. I never heard from you. And then he's apologizing. I'm thinking to myself, I would never behave this way. If somebody that I know is emailing me or texting me or wanting me to be on their show, I would tell them yes or no. I'm not interested. There was another woman a few months ago that I wanted to have on the show. And it became this, well, well, I'll come on if, you know, I follow, if, if I follow these rules or it, it was, it became such a hassle. Like what rules? I, I was so confused. And then there was a person that I know about my book where I emailed them about reading it, you know, four or five days go by. I don't hear anything. So then I call them on the phone because I want them to read my book. I was really curious what they would think about my my book. And then that night or the next day, I get a response via email, a nice email about why they didn't have the time to read it. But I also was struck by, I'm always struck when I make a phone call to somebody and it was a very personal message. And then I get an email in response, which to me is a very impersonal way of communicating. To me, you can't get any more personal than talking to somebody. That's what's so frustrating to me about the way people communicate now. Texting and DMing on Instagram is about as impersonal as you can get. And I find there to be some irony here where yoga teachers are supposed to be about bringing more intimacy and re and realism and depth and connection into our lives. And yet I keep bumping into some that don't really seemingly know how to communicate with me in a intimate sort of way. And it's not just yoga teachers, it's just other, other people too that I've asked on the show. I asked another guy a few weeks ago that's a friend of mine who works in the music industry. This is crazy. I've talked to him for a few months about getting him on my show. And I'm not talking like I email every day. I'll email like once every two, three weeks. And he's very busy, which I respect. But this last time that I emailed where he was in town and he asked me, you know, give me four or five dates that work this coming week. I give him that four or five dates that, that, that are working for me. I don't even get a response. I'm just, I don't understand this type of behavior. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it irritates me because it's not logical and it's not how I communicate and it's not respectful and it's, it's rude and it doesn't make any sense to me. And I, th- I think these phones of ours, 
the fact that you can communicate via instant uh, via Instagram, WhatsApp, texting, email, phone call. There are no manners anymore when it comes to communicating with one another. Like in my mind, if you call somebody, you call them back. Or rather, if somebody calls you, you call them back. This world of communication now, there's plenty of ways to communicate, but I don't think people logically or with politeness know how to use the different forms of communication. This isn't meant to call people out. You know, people are busy. People have lives. I understand people are doing things that are much more important than talking to me on my podcast. I I get that. Believe me, I completely understand that there are far more important things than talking to me. But I just think there's a way to behave and communicate that is respectful. And it's just, it's been an interesting experience for me. I've just, I've gotten some firsthand experience dealing with this sort of bizarre myriad of ways in which people are communicating now. And I can see why it adds some anxiety and some frustration because it certainly frustrates me sometimes to email somebody that I'm even friends with and to not even hear back. It's just, I would never do that. Even like acquaintances, I'll get emails or a text from somebody I haven't spoken to. And I get, I don't know, I I obviously get back to them. It's just, I don't know. And I take it personally sometimes because then I start, I seriously will start to think, huh, am I actually not liked? Maybe they just think I'm a dick. I don't know. It just It's just mind-numbing behavior that I don't understand. And I get the sense that this is kind of rampant type of behavior where I don't think people really know the proper ways in which to communicate via all these different ways in which we can communicate, can communicate now. So I think that's it for today's show. I... Appreciate you listening. I posted a few new shows these last few weeks. Great conversations. One with Evan Beagle, one with Darren Campbell, and one just last week with Sasha Nichols. We're all talking about social media, tech, Kobe Bryant, life, death. I do want to go down that path of talking a little bit more about the complexity of life and death, mortality, and finding meaning in our day-to-day lives. So as always, if you dig the show, head on over to iTunes, write a review. That stuff really, really helps a lot. Give the show a five star. You can message me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn. Also find me on Twitter You can support the show directly at patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. And that is it. As always, thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.